Welcome one and all to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Mike. I guess that's what we call it, Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. Joined as always by my co-host, Emily. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Good. We are having a lot of fun just chatting before yes, this whole thing already. starts. And I think we'll just continue that as we go. Yes. We have some wonderful guest pastors, as always, but I'm really excited for, for the, the couple we have here today. Yes, we have Pastor Jeremy Johnson. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, how are you guys today? Good. Good. And Pastor Murph Hudson from our Grimes campus. Yeah. Hi, Murph. How are you doing? Good. Excellent. Making his podcast debut. Yes, yes. today's yeah. the day. Yeah. Hopefully we're, not the last, but yes. We're right. happy. Murph is one of our pastors up at Hope Grimes, mm-hmm. and um, before that was at other campuses and, and mm-hmm. doing all sorts of different things. And tell mm-hmm. us... Just like the the short version of your bio, married to joy and yep. kids married, and married to joy for over twenty four years, and mm. uh, I was a teacher before becoming a pastor, uh, and uh, and just hope had a big part of that happening. So I'm excited to be here. Very cool. Yeah, a beloved math teacher at yeah. Waukee High School. Absolutely, so a lot of <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, there's my math teacher from, <laughs> from way back when. Speaking of high school teachers, you were too, Jeremy. Yeah, I taught high school English for two years. So anytime. I uh, get a spelling thing wrong on one of my PowerPoint slides. My wife is quick to lovingly point out. She's like, you know what? Sometimes people would probably wonder, did you really teach English? So (laughs) (laughs) caution, you have to double check and proofread. Yeah. There you go. I love love that. And and since Murph shared family, uh, and you mentioned your wife, let's talk about your family too. So uh, Bridget, she and I have been married for 14 years, and then we have two kids, uh, at Waukee, in the Waukee School District, uh, Trey, our son, who is 12, he's a sixth grader, and Jade, our daughter, who turns 11 next week, nice. and she's a fifth grader. Yeah. Both great families. Speaking of great mm-hmm. families, Emily, come on, talk talk, talk yeah. to us. My husband, Chris, and I have been married 10, almost 11 years. We have three kids, Ella, Lily, and Bronk. Wow. 10 or 11 years, really? That, almost 11, 10 years. I remember that well. I mean, I was there. Yeah. I, I, had a, I had a very close view for that <laughs> yes, wedding uh, since I was presiding at it. Yeah. Uh, but that went fast. I know. That, Brock, our youngest, is already four. Wow. That can't be. Crazy. Brock is four. Yeah. It's crazy, nuts. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Well, good to, good to have you guys here. Um, good to be families, yeah. uh, you know, and good to be family together as a church. But we've got work to do here today, and we have listeners uh, and people tuning in who are so faithful and so good, and you're spreading the word, and this podcast is really growing, um, and we're so excited about that because this helps get God's word out there. Absolutely. And what we want to do is pretty simple. We want to have a conversation uh, amongst the pastors at Hope, a rotating uh, group of pastors, uh, joining co-host Emily and myself to talk about our daily readings from the Whole Holy Bible in a Year series that we're doing together as a church here at Lutheran Church of Hope based in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, West Des Moines specifically. And as we do that, our goal is just to help you take a deeper dive, mm-hmm. to, to, to go down deeper into these texts and, and to gain an understanding. We have this uh, phrase that comes along with our theme for the year of reading through the whole Holy Bible. We want to read it, learn it, and live it. And so this is helping people make the transition between reading and learning so that, so that mm-hmm. all of us can live it out, and mm-hmm. we're all called to do that. It's, um, it has been a really refreshing experience. I, I think spiritually, yeah. I think personally, for me, I will say that. Uh, what are you guys gaining out of this? Just just from the at the top of the of this episode. What is the, what has it been like for you? What what are you hearing from others or what are you experiencing yourself? Murph? Uh, for me up in Grimes, uh, we have so many people that have really dove into this and they I'm having more conversations about how scripture is applying to life. Uh, people just grabbing me in the hallway uh, between services uh, with some really deep questions. We're doing a Bible study at night on Sunday night, and people are showing up with a lot of questions and really digging into mm-hmm. it. So it's been really exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Jeremy? I think one of the thing that's been so fun is the normalization of scripture. I Meaning, agree. yeah. So so many people have said, I can't believe how much God's Word, the Bible, and my Mm -hmm. daily life, how the intersections Mm -hmm. there are endless. And each passage that we read, it can intersect each person's life differently, Mm -hmm. uniquely, and it all, it's just the the reality of this overwhelming sense that God actually is in tune, involved, and just absolutely loves us wherever we are in our lives. So that's been fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. I think another part of that is just because we're doing it together, we can see how the same scripture passages that we're reading hit people differently. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it shows us in real time how God uses that 
directly for each person yep. to be applicable in different ways. Yeah. And that's been really cool. I agree, Emily. And on that note, uh, two two conversations I had just in the last 48 hours really stand out. One with somebody who knew the Bible pretty well, but said this year's just different. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, I'm able to see new things. Well, it's a living word. And so it's going to hit us in, in new and refreshing ways. And I think it's important to do that, not to get too comfortable with, well, I already know what all that means. I find that humbling too. You know, here here we are. We've all been to seminary, all four of us. Uh, you know, we've all d- d- taken deeper dives into this stuff, but you don't graduate from Bible. You don't get mm. to the point where it isn't new and fresh. And then the second conversation, just briefly, with somebody who said, I never did read the Bible before, and this has been yeah, life-changing. Mm-hmm. Like, just completely... That's what we're dealing with here. And it, and it isn't because it's the program. It isn't because of what we're doing. It's because this is God's word. God is speaking to us. It's holy. It's life-changing. It's transformational. So um, keep at it, folks. And as I said in the sermon this last weekend, if you took an off-ramp, an exit ramp, there's plenty of on-ramps back mm-hmm. on. Um, and this podcast will hopefully be able to help you do that. Uh, and if you're new to this podcast, just jump right in. You can find our whole Holy Bible daily readings on the Lutheran Church of Hope website. And there are other places you can pick up a bookmark here at Hope Mm -hmm. at any of our locations. And with that, let's get to what we say we're here to do, which is to help people move from reading it to learning it. We've got some questions, don't we, Emily? Yeah, we do. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. Also, we have questions, but people can submit some questions, too. So on our social media channels right now, or even throughout the week, if you're reading and one comes up, you can hit us up on those social media channels or email us or whatever. So... We'll start with our first question, but send those in and they'll get passed to us. So here we go. What can we learn from the list of people Jesus picked and did not pick to be his disciples? Jeremy? When we look at, uh, when we look at the context which Jesus is working in, there were people who were disciples of, of different teachers and they would be followers of that way. So early mm-hmm. followers of Jesus were followers of the way when we get to the book of Acts. What would happen in that process is if you are a disciple of somebody, you are somebody who is well-respected, you've done all the work, you've done all the training, you, you are ingrained in this in such a way that literally you kind of had, quote-unquote, earned your spot. Mm-hmm. Now we get to Jesus calling his disciples, and these are people who nobody would have think would have thought that they ever would have been picked for anything. They're mm-hmm. normal people. They're people who are on the outskirts. They're people without an education. They're people who might do things that other people would frown on. Luke gets at that in multiple ways in his gospel. The fact that the outside, Mike, you preached about this this last weekend, the circle of Jesus widens to, to envelop all people. So when, when Jesus calls his disciples, mostly fishermen, a, few, a tax gatherer, people who uh, would not have had a voice, what we realize and how it impacts our lives is that Jesus doesn't call the perfect Right. He perfects the called, mm-hmm. and that's every single one of us. And I think how important that is for all of us, because Jesus says to all of us, follow me. Yeah. You can be my disciple too. You can be somebody who's, who has the opportunity to share this message with the world around you. And I just think, man, if we can realize that it doesn't take me memorizing yeah. the Bible to be able to, to do whatever it is that God's calling me to do, that he can use me exactly where I am like he did with with these disciples, he called much to the surprise of so many people, including them. You know, that fits in so well with just the whole approach of Luke's gospel. And so there's the explicit stuff. In in, in this question, Emily, that you just asked, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, we can look at the text that says, here's the 12 disciples Jesus picked. Here's their names. And so that's explicit. It's, it's, just, it's just lined up there. But what's implicit and isn't too deep below the explicit words of Luke's gospel is this impossible to miss theme if you take it as a whole, which is one of the great things about reading the Bible together is we're taking it in holes instead of just saying, well, here's this verse, I'm going to cut it out and put it on my bathroom mirror, which is fine, which is great, but even better to see it in the text in its context. So the implicit uh, is what you're saying, Jeremy, that Jesus is picking ordinary people like us, you know, mm-hmm. not... And and even for our listeners, like, well, I'm not a seminary-trained pastor like you guys on this panel, or I'm not somebody who's taken these Bible classes. I don't, or I haven't really been the greatest follower of Jesus in my life. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You're picked. Absolutely. Not only that, you're top draft picks for Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like top of the list. He's been scouting you. 
(laughs) He definitely wants you on his team. Mm. Um, And so the other implicit part of that is, like you said, Jeremy, you know, Luke is is widening the circle of inclusion to include everybody. But in order to get the people who are there who think they're in because of their resume, because of their religious resume, he has to shake that tree a little bit and say, actually, the way you get in is because I pick you. It isn't because of what you do. It's what I've done. Mm -hmm. I think he also is going out of his way to break down some prejudicial boundaries. Um, When you look at the people that he chose, not only just not the intellectually elite, but he chose like 11 of them, it appears, contextually in Scripture, that they all come from Galilee. And Judah and Galilee do not get along. Judah is looking at uh, anybody. It doesn't matter how orthodox you are in Galilee. You're just lesser than. Talk about outsiders. Yeah, you're a major outsider. And Jesus picks one person from Judah, Iscariot, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and so the one that will actually betray him. But he has picked 11 guys from Galilee who would always be seen as a lesser than, and he's okay with that. Hmm. Not only okay with that, but I think it's very intentional. Yeah. And then there's this part of, as Jesus picks these ordinary people like us, um, we don't have to be perfect. As you, Jeremy, say that phrase again. That was, that was perfect. He, no, I've, I've heard it someplace else. Jesus doesn't call the perfect. He perfects the called. Yeah, and that's an ongoing process. None of us will get there this side of heaven. Amen. It, God's power is made perfect in our weakness, yep. Scripture declares. Yep. And, and so it is. So the exciting thing about this is not just that I'm picked. But what's it going to be like to be on the team? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what's it going to be like to be on Team Jesus? Because now, and this is going to be kind of carried through some of the questions coming up, and these questions that get asked are just kind of a uh, a summary of the questions we're hearing during the week. Plus, yeah. you can, as Emily you said, you can add them in. But being on the team means now we get to see what Jesus can do through us yeah. instead of what we can just do, even for him but what he can do for us. More on that as we go. Yeah. Yeah, Next question. Why did Simon Peter want Jesus to leave after seeing a miracle? Murph? Yeah. I think in this case, um, when you have an experience with God, it can be a little terrifying. And and he has kind of gone in two places here. If you look back, the first time he addresses Jesus in that boat, he calls him master, which is this generic term that they would use. It'd be like calling somebody sir today. Mm -hmm. And he is um, really just kind of sitting there going, all right, Jesus, you want me to throw a net out? I'll do that. And he throws it out. And now he realizes, oh my goodness, I am in a boat with someone completely amazing. I'm in the presence of God, or at least he's starting to get there. Mm -hmm. And he changes his wording. And he says, instead of saying master, he says, Lord, please get away from me. I am. I'm a sinful man. It starts recalling like people like, um, you know, you're talking about like Job, like, hey, I'm I'm I messed up. I'm sitting here in Ashton dust. I am nothing. You're 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 calling people like um, you know, Abraham who's asking for a little bit of help for Sodom and Gomorrah before God. He goes, Hey God, I got one more question for you. I, I'm just a sinner here. I'm just a you know, someone in ashen dust. I just want to tell you, I, I just got this question, but I'm feeling like I shouldn't even be here. Like I, a not worthy. I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like in Wayne's World, you know, when they meet Alice Cooper. Like they're just <laughs> not feeling it. Who is a fully devoted follower of Absolutely. Jesus in real life. You Much actually to the surprise played a whole of golf yeah. with him, I think, at one point too. Uh, he came to my golf course yeah. where I worked. Nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. Pretty cool. Jeremy, what else do you see here? I think the the reality is when we when we continue to follow Peter's life, Yeah. We're going to see that Peter is going to get to this point time and time and time again, where Peter keeps thinking to himself, man, I, I keep messing this up, but Jesus keeps pursuing him. And he, didn't, nice. he never takes the, the, his, his job away from him. Never, he never says, oop, I screwed up. Like, you're going to be on the shelf. We're going to go a different direction. We're going to see this with Paul. We're going to see this all across the New Testament, especially in the Old Testament as well, that it's not our performance that gets to dictate whether or not God can use us. Mm-hmm. And so there's grace. And so in this, P- Peter's like be- beside himself, can't believe it. Like, oh my good- goodness, I missed the whole thing. And Jesus is going to say, come back, Peter, go fish. Sometimes they think fish. a lot of, a lot of people, that's so good. Sometimes people think and wonder, why doesn't God just fix this? Why doesn't God just make something better? Fill in the blank here. Why doesn't God take mm-hmm. care of this issue in our world today? Mm-hmm. But if we look just a little closer at these stories, and remember, these are stories about God and us to reveal who God is and what our call in life is and what our purpose and identity is. He's picking ordinary people, like we talked about with the first question. And now with the second question, why did Simon Peter want Jesus to leave? As you guys said, he's freaked out. 
uh, Jesus is an outside-the-box God. He's not going to fit comfortably inside our preconceived notions of who he is. But here's the movement of it that I want to make sure our listeners catch and people who are tuning into this podcast. The fishermen still have to fish. Mm. We, we're part of the plan. We, we don't just passively sit. Jesus didn't just have fish jump into the boat you know, and say, well, there, there's yeah. your miracle. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to do this through you. You're yeah. the body of Christ. You're, you're the people I call to do this. We're on a mission from God. And again, it isn't just to do it for God, but it's to figure out what is God doing and then let him mm-hmm. run through us. Now, that's, that's all theoretical kind of chat and talk, but in, in a very real-world way, it means we can't just passively sit back and do this Christianity thing if it's going to be biblically faithful. Mm-hmm. We have to go where God is calling. We have to, in other words, we do the things God commands us to do. We live, we, we live as people of faith, hope, and love. Let's just start there. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a given. So what is it that we're, how are we supposed to fish for people with faith, hope, and love? That's, that's, how we, that's how we live out this mission that God has given to us. But it isn't God just doing it for us. It's God doing it through us. Man, that's exciting because now, again, we're, we're playing the game. We're, yeah. we're on that team. We're Team Jesus. Um, so our faith needs to be activated. It's something we need to do, not just something we need to think about or watch. Really good. Uh, we're going to take a question somebody submitted for a nice. second that pushes us back to the Old Testament readings. When reading all the rules in the Old Testament, what are we to take from that and apply to our life? Is it to see, be grateful for not having these laws now? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. So there are... Wow, short version of the answer, because we could yeah. do a whole podcast on that question mm-hmm. alone. So let's try to be succinct on this. There are timeless laws in Scripture, and there are contextual laws in Scripture. And it becomes clear as you read through the whole Bible, if it's repeated, obviously it's time it, from Old to New Testament. Mm-hmm. If Jesus lifts it up as he does in part of our reading here in Luke today in his Sermon on the Plain, uh, and specifically in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, he says, you heard it said, the old law, but I say to you. So it still stands, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not only that, Jesus sometimes raises the bar. So there are laws in the Old Testament that continue forward. Uh, the Ten Commandments would, would be on that list because they continue consistently throughout Scripture. Laws about relationships, laws about family, laws about um, purpose, mission, all that kind of thing. But then there are contextual laws, like how many different fabrics you should have in your shirt. Mm-hmm. And there were reasons for it back then, and it wasn't just to see, well, who's with me and who isn't. God wouldn't say, but it was because back in those days, if you did that, you might cause a health issue mm-hmm. in your community. Mm-hmm. It's why you wouldn't eat certain foods because those foods weren't safe back then in that particular time and context and place where today they are. Plus, Jesus didn't say, I came to abolish the law. He says, I came to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. More on that, guys? Yeah, and I think it's important to know that every single one of God's laws was there to bring life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. those contextual laws were there to bring life. The timeless laws are here to bring life. And so it's never anything that God goes back and says, well, that one wasn't important. Yes. It's that one doesn't, that context isn't something that we're dealing with now. But those timeless ones and those contextual ones in those days are so important because they're there to lead people to experience the life that God has created us to live. Yeah. And Sometimes, you know, this isn't in the question, but I'll just do an editorial comment. Sometimes we think that we know better than God, and we start to yeah. say, well, maybe maybe my way is better, and God maybe was not as smart as we would want God to be. And it's like, ah, that's a pretty dangerous place to be. It it's not easy to picture rules as giving you life. Yeah. Like, it's easy to read ah, that and be like, oh, point. God was just saying to do all these things. Like, that's not fun. I don't want all these things put on me, but to remember that they're intended for your good and your benefit. Yeah, look, and I, those things changed from yeah, the Old stopped, Testament to new. I stopped at every uh, red light on the way to work today. Yeah. You know, I mean... <laughs> Some no. of those laws good are thing. good. Yeah, good for good. you they're and good, good for the yeah, other people right. in the room. Yeah. 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 Good question. Keep them coming. Yeah. Um, okay. Why does Luke make a point of letting his readers know that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer? I'll start with that one. So the word Sabbath in the Old Testament, there's actually two Hebrew words that go with it. One is Shabbat, which is the one we usually think of and is obviously the most direct translation. It sounds like Sabbath. But the next one is a Hebrew word called Nuach, which says, so in the in the creation story of Genesis, it says that God created everything in six days and on the seventh day. And we can talk about what a day is back then, but that's a whole nother podcast too. <laughs> So there's a day of rest, and that's the rhythm into which we're created because we're created into God's image. But then it says, as Genesis continues on and tells us more about creation, 
that God dwelled with us. That's that Hebrew word nuach. So he dwells and he settles with us, which also has implications toward this definition of what a Sabbath is for us. So when the command comes in Exodus and it's repeated in our reading from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5, last week's reading, uh, that you should remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, it is Sabbath, which means rest, but how do we rest? We, we have the Shabbat by having the Nuach. We have the Nuach by letting God dwell with us, by, letting, by having communion with God. The temple, a lot of people don't know this, the temple was actually built as a model of the Garden of Eden based on the best mm-hmm. we could pull out of it, people of faith could pull out of it back in the time. And so God is in the Holy of Holies and we get closer so that we can have communion and dwell with God in, in, the, in the inner sanctuary of this holy temple in the holy city of Jerusalem. So the idea is worship today, prayer today, reading the Bible today, doing these things, those are great ways to spend a Sabbath, to spend that day. Whatever that Sabbath day is, remember, Jesus is really careful. And, and in Luke, this comes in our reading this week. Don't worship the Sabbath. Don't don't let the, the legalism of the day become the thing, like it has to be Saturday or it has to be Sunday, or that's the only way you can really faithfully follow this. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is that you were made to rest. Yes. You aren't made to rest seven days a week. Mm. You're made to rest one day a week. And then then your work is going to be better. It's going to be more productive. You're going to have less stress. You're going to be happier. You're going to be healthier. It's better for us. But it's also built into that commandment is come into the presence of God. Let God dwell with you. Let him, it, not just Shabbat, but Nuach. Let God uh, settle into your spirit and into your soul. That brings us to life. That's the spiritual rest, yeah. the spiritual renewal, which is why worship is woven into this commandment of remember the Sabbath day. And Jesus isn't pushing that out. He's just pushing out the legalism of people who interpret the law to say, well, the Sabbath laws are just to prove that you're really, really faithful to God. No, the Sabbath laws are made for you, so you'll have a better life. One of the things we also talked about is what are people saying about this whole Holy Bible? And I think one of the things that people are experiencing when they carve out time during the day to encounter God's word mm-hmm. is they're getting to that dwelling p- place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's that healthy rhythm that I believe that a, a, a large percentage of people when this year is over are going to continue doing it because you start to establish that rhythm where you have that time where you're in that intentional relationship with God. And it's, it's, a, it's just really important and it's life-giving and it's that rest. It's that dwelling place. It's what Jesus says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. Mm-hmm. You'll produce fruit. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also that uh, Jesus is coming at this from a place of, I don't want to... Um, I, I, he's 100% God, but he's also 100% human. He's just faced temptation, right, for power recently. And it would be very easy for Jesus to come along and be like, hey, I'm popular. People are wanting to hear me. I'm just going to kind of keep being with the people. I'm going to keep coming, giving them what they want, and really building up my name. But he's like, no, I got to take time, reconnect uh, with the Father. I need to be uh, really in prayer and in relationship yes. there. Um, and I and I told you before, you know, I was a math teacher, and I go back to there's this mathematician, uh, Blaise Pascal, you know, 1600s. He is... Uh, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And one of the things he said, which is just a great reminder for us all on Sabbath, is our one of humanity's main problems is our inability to sit quiet in a room alone. Yeah. We just don't have that capacity to shut out all the other distractions and actually focus on our relationship with God and that chance to just recharge and refill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sabbath literally means in the Hebrew, the Shabbat, that it isn't just not working, it means to stop thinking and worrying about work, yeah. to, to actually have a break from it, which means there's actually this tradition in Jewish culture still to this day, especially amongst, amongst Orthodox Jews, that you cannot use electricity mm-hmm. on the Sabbath. Wouldn't Now, look, we're free, right? We, this is not a gotta. This is a get to. This is an invitation into. What would it be like if we turned our phones off one day a week? Absolutely. J- just going to throw that out there. What, mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. What, what would we miss? And what would we gain? Uh, because maybe we were made for more. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's what everyone should do. I'm just saying that maybe for a few hours, maybe for a breath, maybe for a break, just to say, you know, I'm not going to be glued to my phone. I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to have it. So every time it dings, every time it beeps, every time something pops up, it's going to distract me from this thing. God wants to dwell with us, and if we mm-hmm. continually are getting distracted from it, we might miss it. Yeah. That would be a tragedy. 
our staff heard you say you did this recently. Yeah, I did. I tried it for a day. It was How'd it, it was, go? It was awesome. <laughs> and I didn't do it again this week. I, was like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for this yet. I, I don't know, but I'll keep you posted. Yeah. I I will say this. I feel challenged by that. Yeah. Because so much of our where I'm certainly not the only one. You're not. Emily. I know you're constantly having to check things. Uh-huh. It's not just church leaders, though. Right. I'm guessing a huge percentage of people who are tuning in right now have to be on their phones. Yeah. But then when do you stop working? Mm-hmm. Because part of your phone is going to be work. Mm-hmm. When do you get a Sabbath from your work part of your phone? And yeah. Yeah, but, it's just just things to consider, and yeah. this is not the Lord. This is me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm working through this. That's good. Um, what did Jesus mean when he said healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do, and no one puts new wine in old wineskins? Yeah, Jeremy, you're the big wine drinker, Jeremy. Why don't you <laughs> <laughs> just for the record, that was a joke. Yeah, it was totally uh, a joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, there is a reality, again, what's Jesus speaking into? People who thought that they had it figured out, and so that they, you know, really, that if, if a Messiah was going to come, it was going to be for all the people who were all messed up. And Jesus is leveling the playing field in a very, a very strong way, saying, hey, we're all sick people. I didn't come, because he's, you know, people are, are questioning him. He's hanging out with people who aren't, they would think, worthy to be hung out with. And so Jesus is like, hey, I came to seek and save that those who are lost. For people who recognize that they need a Savior, isn't that us all? I mean, we'll go to Paul's letters here in the next few months where Paul's going to get really very to the point, direct, and say, uh, we all have sinned. We all are sick people in need of, of a doctor, in need of rest, in need of, of the great physician. And so Jesus is is changing the construct of of, of how it looks to be a human being, that yeah. there's something that we all have in common, and this is nothing that any of us can graduate from. So in that, this new construct of the way and we look, he says, you can't put that into the old way of being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't put this new wine, this new construct into the, into the old way of doing things. I, I, I thought about it this way when I was uh, looking at some of these questions, when right before the dawn of the automobile became commercialized. They had taken great lengths in, in city streets to, to take care and manage the waste of the animals. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the automobile came, and all, they said, well, we don't, we don't have need for that anymore. Right. Right. That system now was shattered, and they had no use for it anymore. And Jesus is saying this, this whole system of you thinking that you're perfect and thinking that other people are imperfect, that old wine, it's good. It, 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 there's a new wine, and the, the constructs that you have, they would burst if they tried to hold what it is that I'm bringing into the yeah. world. Hmm. I think Jesus is definitely doing something radically new. He wants people to know it's, it's about to change. But he's also, he's got a great sense of humor. I think that when he's saying this about um, the those who think they're righteous, I almost imagine him like as a character on Seinfeld, and he's sitting there with air quotes saying like, those who think they're righteous, because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Yeah. We're all people who actually need this radical transformation that he's bringing, and it's not going to happen if we keep going back to the old ways. There's a reason doing things the old ways never works, you know, definition of insanity. Hmm. I've always wondered, and there's no way to know for sure 100%, but again, if we continue to read in and, and, and dive deep, you start to see things. So the fact that Jesus uses the analogy of wine, mm-hmm. I mean, what's he going to do? As he moves toward the cross, he's going to have a last supper with his disciples. He's going to take the Passover wine and say, this is the new covenant in my mm-hmm. blood. This this is the yep. New Testament, the new deal. He is the new wine. Mm-hmm. And and in a sense, I think the wineskins are the covenants. It's There's the old yeah. wineskins, and then there's the new wineskins, the old covenant or Old Testament, and then there's the new covenant. And he's saying, look, it's time, it's time for the prophecies to be fulfilled mm-hmm. that there'll be a new covenant. Yeah. It's time, it's, and I'm it, Jesus is saying. It, it's time to put that new wine, me, and the holy, everything that's holy about that in here. And, and Jeremy, as you said, not to worship our traditions or just because we used to have things in the roads for, for, an, old, for an old system doesn't mean they still serve an important purpose. We can get legalistic about the law. We can also get legalistic about our traditions, which leads us into the next question. Yeah, what is legalism and why is it so dangerous? Well, I'll go ahead and start on this one because I'm very passionate about it. And then I really want to hear from you guys on this too. Because I think this is a problem amongst American Christians. Uh, And and 
Where I think it's the biggest problem is when we don't see it, when we have blind spots to it. Uh, legalism is dangerous because it does it does some things that I think. Um, well, let, let me summarize it real quickly in three things. It's untrue. It claims depth, but depth, but that it's really shallow. It says the deepest levels of Christianity and following Jesus mean that um, you know we're going to just focus on your morality and and how how you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, and that's all we should talk about. It's a distraction then from the new wine, from from the gospel, from the good news. Number two, it um, produces joylessness. It it steals joy. It turns us into posers who pretend um, to be something that we're not. I don't know. The older I get, the more I just, I'm not even mad. I just am sad for people who pretend to be something they're not mm. to, to say, well, I'm, I'm going to, because I think I might get attention for it. I might, I'm, I might get some cool points for it. And I'm not just talking about youth. I'm talking about adults. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pretend to be something I'm not, and I'm going to lose myself yeah. in, in, in the process. Legalism leads to that because we start posing as somehow being perfect. Like you said earlier, Jeremy, it's not about us being perfect. It's about God's power being made perfect through us, through our through our weaknesses, through mm-hmm. our mistakes. And so rather than pretend, legalism says pretend you're perfect. Mm-hmm. That's your hope. Fake it. Pose. And the gospel says admit you aren't. Mm-hmm. This is a really big difference. Mm-hmm. So one of those pathways leads to prison and bondage spiritually, and the other leads to freedom and new life. And Luke will tell a story about that soon between a Pharisee and a tax collector. The, the one who says, I admit I'm a sinner, that's the person draw, that, that actually experiences communion with God. Yeah. That's when God gets closest to us. And finally, third, and this one's huge in our world today, legalism divides us. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it gives us, well, we're in and you're out, and Luke just won't have it. He's, yeah. just, he's the historian, he's the physician, he's the educated one, he's the faithful follower of Jesus, and he says, no, you've got your... You've got your circles of inclusion completely wrong. I will add this. Any group on the right or the left who claims that those who don't agree with us can't be with us mm. is legalistic. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. It, it, everyone says, well, that's just them. That, that's what their side does in whatever debate, social, political, theological, religious, denominational, whatever kind of debate we're having. If I insist you that you have to agree with me, me, me in order to be with me, I've become a legalist. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what my worldview is. Grace doesn't allow that. Grace sets us free from that, shakes that tree and says, now actually your only hope is in Jesus Christ and what he's done. Yeah. Think about what you said, Mike, that um, legalism, the legal is matters of the law. Yep. So your end goal in legalism, the danger of it is your end goal is the law. We are about something entirely different. Our, our end goal is to know Jesus, to be known by Jesus, and have his love flow through us. And so it, it, becomes, the, it becomes exactly the wrong... Uh, you're, you're shooting at the wrong target. Amen. It just really... And, and people, we all get tempted to die on those hills. Yeah. Uh, and that's just not, that's not faithful. Well, one of the things we were seeing in our readings, it goes back to the Sabbath conversation. It was like every time Jesus does something on the Sabbath, there's somebody there to go, gotcha. You you mm-hmm. did this wrong. You're mm-hmm. not supposed They're getting on to him, his disciples because they're taking grains ahead, yeah. uh, you know, as they're walking through a field and they're saying, you're harvesting on this. I mean, it's it's basically, it comes down to, I don't like what you're doing. It doesn't fit my particular view right. of, of what the law says. And so I'm going to keep kind of pointing things. But Jesus is actually giving life in these things. Mm-hmm. There's a story um, in the reading this week where Jesus heals a man whose right hand is deformed. And in that, he's actually bringing this man back into a place of community <laughs> Um, on the Sabbath, and they get really ticked off about it. But what we have to understand is, you know, that whole picture that you get in the uh, uh, the Last Supper that Da Vinci paints, like, mm-hmm. that is not how people ate in those days. They were sitting on cushions, leaning on their left side, feet away from the, the table, because that's the dirtiest part of their body, and they could eat with their right hand. And so in order to actually be in community in a meal with people, you needed to have the use of your right hand. That's why one of the, the things at that time was if you stole something, you got your right hand cut off. And so mm. to, to actually have yourself healed and be able to be put back into a place to have a meal with people, we're giving life. That's what Jesus is doing. And he's saying, you're trying to make it so much about this law, about not working on the Sabbath, that you're missing the point of the Sabbath. You're missing that it's a gift for you, not for 
not you doing something for me. Yeah. yeah. Jeremy, you just preached on this story from Mark's gospel yeah. a couple of weeks ago where this woman brings the alabaster jar, as you said, Murph, anoints Jesus' feet. Everybody should be happy. Yeah. But of course, the legalists, mm-hmm. and that's the disciples. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes because the Bible names the Pharisees and they're usually the, the foe, yeah. right, of Jesus, and they often are. Let's, let's not sugarcoat that too much. But not all the Pharisees were in that same category, just like not all Christians are the same either. Some of the Pharisees were legalistic, and some of them, like Nicodemus, mm-hmm. was looking for something. Mm-hmm. And we'll read about him when we get to John's Gospel. Mm-hmm. And there were other Pharisees as well who seemed to be hungry, who seemed to be sincere, and, and, and want what any of us would want if we're being faithful. Yeah. Uh, but some of the disciples didn't always get it either. And the chosen team, Team Jesus, the first draft picks, yeah. sometimes they tripped up and messed up. And because of that, I think it just levels the playing field. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. We all need to be in the same posture of humility before the cross of Jesus Christ. That's when we get the good news. That's when the gospel comes to life for us. Yeah. Not when we're faking it. Not when we're posing. Not when we're complaining because Jesus healed somebody. Um, and not when we're complaining because a woman anointed his his feet with oil and and poured it over him and blessed him. Jesus is very clear, I'm for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want more of that. Yeah. And and spare me with your you could have given it to the poor. Of course, give it to the poor. Yes, give give money to the poor, but you've got plenty. You can give a lot of money to the poor and you can also be extravagant in the th- beautiful things that you do for Jesus. Yeah. It's not either or. Right. It's both and. Maybe we should just spend less money on other things. Really quick, we had a question come in that I think relates to this conversation. It says, what can we as Christians do or say when people or society take things from the Old Testament too literally, leaving out the grace of Jesus? Relating, I think this, what if somebody else has this perspective, like a legalistic viewpoint, and they come at you with that? How do you respond? Uh, I'll start and, and and just say the question is so good because it, it implies I want to be faithful to God's word, but I also... I also want to be faithful to God's word. I want to do it the way I'm supposed to do it. And in a way that's helpful to my friends, to the people who are out there or my people who aren't my friends, but are coming after me because they say, look what the Bible says. It says this. And, and they do something called proof texting. Talk to us about what proof texting is guys and why it's dangerous and why we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, proof texting is when you take uh, something out of context. So I pull a verse, I pull even a passage out, and I make it mean something it never was intended to mean. Um, you know, there's an easy example of that is uh, saying, you know, uh, fall down and worship me and I'll uh, I'll give you all of these things, right? Well, you can make that sound like Jesus is saying that, but it's the devil saying that. That's part of Scripture. And exactly. so if you take something out of context and try to make it mean something that it doesn't, you can do a lot of damage with that mm-hmm. verse. Right. We can do that, by, and we can condemn other people yeah. if we proof text. You can pull something out and say, in this context, at this time, right. here's what the law was, and might completely miss the reason why, and so it no longer faithfully applies yep. to this person in this particular time, which isn't the same time or context yep. as before. I also, to this question, and also to when we talked about legalism and the danger, the the reality of Jesus is that there is a part of Jesus that it it almost feels a little bit scary because we do, do not have control over it. And there is a temptation, I believe, that when we take things and become legalistic, we say, well, what about this? We're operating out of a sense to say, I don't I don't know what life looks like if I don't have this incredible like manual draw, drawn out so I know exactly what it is. And there's room uh, in the gospel for all people, and that's uncomfortable to me. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable to a lot of people. Like, I don't know if I, I want it to be about this yes, unless those people are a part of it. Right. And, and it's just another attempt for us to claim righteousness by our actions and behavior mm-hmm. instead of totally depending on the grace of God. There's You're an English high school teacher. You're a math teacher. I started college a math major, and I went yeah. to English at the same college you went to, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, so we were majors in the same department at different eras. I was there half a generation before you. But there's there's a professor there who I know you had, Dr. Gordon Lyle, who taught mm. Shakespeare. And there's a there's a classic Shakespearean um, piece called The Merchant of Venice. And in that um, in that play, a character named Portia says this. 
This is just beautiful. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth, blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Mm. I mean, that's Shakespeare. It, mm. Grace has this power. Mercy has this power. It, it is a gentle rain from heaven that we all need. And it blesses not just the person that we give it to. Instead of proof texting scripture, pulling it out and using it as a club to try to demean somebody else mm-hmm. or maybe to try to raise our level. Well, if you're down there, I must be up here. We're called above all else to follow a God who shows us an example of mercy through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, when you have mercy for my sins, when I have mercy for your sins, when we all have mercy for the people around us and grace for the people around us, it blesses them and it blesses the giver yes. of the grace. Mm-hmm. That's, mm. that's the powerful gift of grace is when we, when we implement it, it's, it's not just a gift to others, it's a gift to us. Yeah. What do you want our podcast listeners to notice as they read Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, which is in chapter 6? Yeah, Luke does Sermon on the Plain. Matthew does Sermon on the Mount. Um, wh- what do you think? Jeremy, why don't you start first on this one? The Sermon on the Mount uh, is great detail. Uh, it's longer than the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, the interesting thing for me when I read the Sermon on the Plain is this is a, a, a very long, extensive teaching about Jesus that in and of itself is radical. When we when you look mm-hmm. at the Sermon on the Mount, when we look at the Sermon on the Plain, the things that Jesus is saying is cutting against the grain of the way that life was. You've heard it said this, and I'm going to say that. And people would hear that and say, whoa, that's different. So different, but so foundational that both, what's the similarity? One uh, is that Jesus opens his mouth, he begins to teach who it is that he is and what the kingdom is about, and how do they each end? Both of them end with those of you who hear this teaching of mine, these words of mine, and put them into practice is like the wise builder who builds their house on the bedrock, the firm foundation that even though the storms and winds of life will come, that house will never be shaken. And to me, it just underscores how foundational and shocking this teaching was and how important it is. Both Matthew and Luke are saying, hey, pay attention, mm-hmm. pay attention, like blinking uh, neon signs saying, look at this, look at this. And it's just so cool to see the way in which, you know, there's a couple parts of the Sermon on the Mount that uh, aren't included in the Sermon on the Plain, but are in other places. It's just so these words that Jesus had, both to um, Matthew and Luke, are, are popping out as a way of saying, this is this is pretty key. Yeah, and I think the whole thing that we're reading this week, it talks about how Jesus is really upending all of our expectations. I mean, every yeah. time we, we you look at this, and it's everything is countercultural at this point. Jesus is pushing back against what's the expected, what's the norm. And he's saying, no, it's, this is not how it's going to be, and it's not going to how it's going to be for you. I also love, uh, it's one we're usually familiar with, where he talks about the, uh, you know, checking the spec uh, in yeah. someone else's eye yeah. without looking at the log in your own eye. Mm. And it just reminds me, like, you know, Jesus was... Was, um, he was into self-awareness before it was cool to be into self-awareness. <laughs> he like he wants you to take that look deeper inside. What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind? And he's trying to draw out that uh, to show you a better way of living. Um, and then uh, the other thing that I think it, it's amazing. I know the Holy Spirit works and how these readings are coming together. Yeah. But um, we have the Sermon on the Plains here. And if you were reading on the Gunner Track in Deuteronomy, Moses is doing three sermons on the plains in Moab as well. So it is just lining up so well. Um, God's good. Yeah, Yeah. God meets us uh, on mountaintops and in the plains. And we're going to get to a story in this next week in Luke 9 where Jesus goes to the mountaintop for the transfiguration. But then one of the coolest parts of the story is he comes back down. But that's a teaser for next week. We'll, (laughs) We'll get to that. One more thing on on this uh, sermon on the plane that I want to make sure our listeners catch. And you guys are both getting to it. But it's the way it starts. So Luke 6, verse 20, Jesus starts the sermon. God blesses those who... God bless... And, you know, quickly, a contradiction. People say, well, Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, Luke's Sermon on the Plain, which is it? Well, we have at least two services a week at most of our campuses <laughs> in the different right. venues and places. Sometimes we preach upstairs. Sometimes we do a podcast from the basement humble studio that we're sitting in right now, you know, the, the Dungeon of Hope. Um, and, and so, yeah, he just kept preaching, but he, he had different versions of the same kind of sermon. He begins, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Notice that that's present tense. It's not just, you will get the kingdom someday, so hang in there which is a lot of times the way this gets interpreted. It's 
It is that. That's true. It's not a false interpretation. But you're also blessed because of right now, even in your current poverty, not once you get out of poverty and into wealth, which is sort of a worldly perspective on what's going to make yeah. us happy. We need to be rich in order to be happy. Well, that's a lie, actually. It's, it's not true. And anybody who's been on a mission trip from hope and sees the joy, the, the fact, the first mission trip I went on was in Jamaica, one of the poorest nations in North America. Once you get past the resorts, you go up into the hills. And you see, uh, in this case, we went to an orphanage and we served there. And, you know, you can do helping that hurts, but this is helping that helped because I think it helps us. It helps the people who are there on the mission trip. We were outjoyed by the kids who are in the orphanage mm-hmm. who have seemingly, they, they have no uh, financial means, no, no wealth. A lot of them uh, can't walk mm-hmm. uh, or can't talk. And yet the joy is there consistently where ours really kind of ebbs and flows with what kind of day am I having? How are things going? And so there has to be something more to life than wealth. It's not that wealth is a, is a good or a bad. It's kind of a, it's just kind of a thing. There's nothing wrong with pursuing it. It's just that it's just makes such a lousy God. So blessed. And the Greek word is makarioi, which, which English translations that say blessed or happy. That's good. It's the best we can do in English. But it really means something a little bit more. It's like an untouchable, endless joy. Yeah. It's, it's your circumstances can't touch your joy. You're blessed right now, not just someday mm-hmm. in heaven. You're mm-hmm. blessed right now because you're in a relationship with God. And let's not minimize that relationship with God. Then in verse 24, it's the woes. What sorrow awaits you who are rich? For you have only your happiness now. Mm-hmm. You only have what the wealth's going to bring you now. But if you don't have something more eternal, you're kind of missing the whole point of life. Yeah. Um, and so the woe is the opposite of, of the blessing. And the blessing, the makarioi, really is the opposite of legalism yeah. because it's going to lead to joy. Where legalism steals joy, having a relationship with Jesus is actually the source of joy and brings it to us. So it turns this whole world, everybody always says upside down, but I like saying right side up. Mm-hmm. I just think that's technically a little bit closer to what God is doing, bringing us back to what he intended in the Garden of Eden. Maybe someday I'll write a book called Downside Up, you know, when I retire. So that's what life is supposed to be, first or last, last or first. That's good. Okay, coming to a close so quicker, why does Jesus lift up the Roman officer's faith as exemplary? And what does this story have to do with us? Murph, why don't you go first? Well, I think one of the things that really stands out to me in this, um, I think we can interpret something Jesus says really off, and that is, he says, I haven't seen faith like this even in Israel. And I think we can take it like there's no faith in Israel. And he's, he's saying, no, even in a place where God's people are, even in a place where there is lots of faith, I have not seen faith like this centurion. And he's kind of blown away by how he thinks that, you know, with just a word, Jesus is going to be able to do something amazing here. And it's not like I, – I, I think it's it's just lowering the bar to say, well, he has faith that he can heal somebody because, yeah, if you know he can heal because he's been doing it over and over again. You can listen sure. to anybody that, that's been around Jesus right. and know that that's happening. Uh, I think he sees something more in Jesus, and Jesus is recognizing that. And I don't know, maybe it's Jesus just being Jesus, but I think he's even saying, you think it's only going to happen if I say a word. And I think Luke is leaving this for us to say, well, maybe I can do it even without that. I, Jesus doesn't huh. need to fill the the actual expectations we have of how it's going to happen. Because right. Jesus never actually says in Luke's gospel, let me say the word. He just mm-hmm. turns and says, this, this is person has more faith than I've seen even in Israel. Mm. Um, and so it just kind of blows you away that, um, that this faith is, uh, is something that can come from so many different places. This is a Gentile, and people thought it was going to have to be from Israel. And Jesus said, no, everybody can have faith. Sure. I also feel, uh, in addition to that, we, faith comes easy when we have a backup plan. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I think this guy is just saying, hey, you, you, you do it. I trust that you're going to do it, and I'm not going to even check your work on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm an official, and in my place, an official, somebody sends the word to me, I send the word to them, mm-hmm. and if I'm able to do that, how much more could, could you, yeah. who are this God in flesh, mm-hmm. not that he says it in those direct terms, but I just, it's amazing that I think to myself, how many of us would just say, you know what, I believe if God says it, that it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's really hard mm-hmm. to, to completely let go. I mean, the beginning when we first meet Peter at the boat in the beginning of this, uh, this section of Luke that we're reading, Jesus is like, hey, put your nets down on the other side. And he's like, nah, I've been fishing here all day. I know a lot, Jesus. And so you stick to your stuff, I'll stick to my stuff, and let's just not cross those things. And then all of a sudden we get to the centurion, and the centurion says, hey, I know what it means to be a soldier, but here, uh, if you say it, or if you, if I trust that you could do it, it's going to happen. Yeah. I know how orders work. Yeah. Right? I, I, yeah. I, know, yeah. I know how that whole thing flows. The last thing, and it kind of summarizes a lot of our conversation today from these three chapters of Luke, because it's all here, is those circles of inclusion again. Mm-hmm. Luke intentionally, he could have he could have written all sorts of stories about all sorts of miracles. Mm-hmm. He writes this, he picks this, he writes about other ones too, but he picks this one, I think, in part because this is a Gentile. This is not a, this is not a descendant of Abraham and okay. Sarah. This is not somebody who would be considered an insider. So here we go again. It's not explicit. Luke doesn't say, I'm going to tell you a story about an outsider. He just keeps telling you stories about outsiders mm-hmm. and assumes the intelligence of the reader. Um, and in community, we learn more about it. So mm-hmm. let's get this. Note, please, Luke, I think, is saying implicitly, I keep telling you stories about people you say aren't in, mm-hmm. which is also another shot across the bow at legalism, because the legalists would say, "How dare! Not only should you not be healing somebody who's in the Roman centurion's life or this Roman soldier's, this officer's life, but you shouldn't even be hanging. You shouldn't even be speaking to him. You shouldn't even be talking to him." That's what the legalist says. Jesus, I'll talk to him and I'll heal and I'll bless and I will. And Luke's going to lift that up to say everybody's invited. Everybody's in the rich, the poor, the powerful, the, the weak, the 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 healthy, the sick, everybody, and that goes for all of you. You're all invited in. You're you're invited. You're invited. You're invited. I'm even invited. Yeah. Our, our crew's invited for crying out loud. Who we never get to see, but they're so awesome. Yes. So thanks to yes. our crew who produced these podcasts, to Kelsey for uh, making it happen with the questions coming in yeah. and and getting the word out about it. And happy birthday, Matthew. We know you're in there somewhere. <laughs> in our studio. Uh, in our studio. So, uh, And thank you so much to all of you for tuning in. Keep the faith. Keep reading it. Keep learning it. Keep living it. And we'll see you at Worship this weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>